She loves trash. Oh, but, oh no. God! Oh my God! I'm a Megan trying to burn my damn house down. <laughs> I have a fucking cramp in my uterus. <laughs> I was. So- Oh, I was really oh, trying to shit. like get up quick and my uterus was like, bitch, sit down. We're going to talk about flying saucers. Ghost story. Weird story. Now we can restore to the living those who have passed into the realm of death. Leia, you were of no assistance at all, by the way. Hi, you're listening to Beyond Weird Paranormal Podcast with Megan and And Brittany. (laughs) I tried to steal your thunder. It's okay. I tried to steal your monologue. It's okay. Awesome. I didn't know. I didn't know what was going on. Well. And that's what happened. All right. What are we going to talk about today? Uh, we're talking about our trip to the desert. The weird West Texas what the fuck. Yeah. Yeah. <clears throat> I mean, where to begin? Uh, we went to the desert in April. Yeah. April the 8th, 9th, and 10th. Right. For those that don't know, we live in Austin, which is in central Texas. Kind of south-ish central Texas. So West Texas for us, uh, well, I guess West Texas for the whole state is like Lubbock and uh, uh, I don't even know what's out there. Oh, God, we're such fucking awesome. We're bad Texans. Um, but we were kind of like Southwest Texas. Yeah. So Marfa. Like Marfa, Big Bend. Marathon. Marfa was actually a little too expensive for us. Yeah. The Airbnbs there start at like 250 It's fucking bougie out there I now. I mean, you might be able to get like a tent for 150 Right. You know, and it's going to be like one of those Burning Man tents and with all the fancy lights. And I'm like... That ain't the kind of inspiration I need. Yeah. Oh, that's not what I'm looking for. But I did find a pretty cool Airbnb for our trip. Uh, La Loma del Chivo, which I still don't know what that means. <laughs> Something about goats. <laughs> I feel like we've looked it up multiple times. Something keeps never stealing it out of my brain. Yeah. It definitely has to do with goats, but... Uh, you know, I was just flipping through the Airbnb uh, app, and I saw a place called The Spirit Room, and I was like, oh, this is for me. This is for us. So I looked yeah. at it. Well, because we – so the reason we went to the desert, uh, I think, A, was because I was just itching to go to the desert, and so I was like – hey, do you want to go to the desert and do weird desert magic shit and – uh, Megan was like, yeah. Um, but also we had, um, a project that we were researching, um, that we, we wanted to put into action and that was to make a tulpa yeah, or a servitor, 
thought form sort of thing. Um, if, which we should probably talk about what that is. Yes. Just in case. Yeah. 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 Um, why don't you tell what a servitor is? Yeah. So a servitor is um, sort of central to chaos magic, but it's, it's a process by where you create a sort of creating a helper yeah. to empower you with more confidence or to do something that you need help doing and that you can't necessarily do on your own. Yeah. So, I mean, people have created servitors to, um, you know, help, help them get through school or help them concentrate or bring them money, uh, bring, you know, success. And in chaos magic, you know, you get results, you get what you put in (laughs) and, um, you have to be realistic, realistic about your results. Mm-hmm. So um, you can't do chaos magic and say, I want to create a servitor who will bring me $1 million um, because there's probably no possible avenue for you to have $1 million brought to you. Yeah. Like the uh, result has to be realistic and something that could possibly happen. Uh, if there is no possibility of it happening, it likely won't happen. Um, so really it's kind of, um, a conduit, uh, to achieve something that you are looking to achieve, but need a little extra help <laughs> Yeah, from yourself, probably from your subconscious self. And also, you know, it's, it's a way of putting your subconscious self out, outside of your body. Yeah. And into the cosmos or or whatever word you want to use. Yeah. And it's like the, the servitor gets like fed and rewarded by, um, accomplishing what you tell it to help you with or to accomplish. And there's, there's like, we could literally do an entire episode on servitors. Right. Um, because you can go, really deep with these things. And honestly, we were trying to go pretty deep with yeah. the one that we wanted to create. We had lofty goals. We yeah. We did. I think it could have happened. I think we can still yeah, do it. But anyways, um so the inspiration for this uh project of creating a servitor actually came from uh, the Philip experiment, which was something that I learned about and thought it sounded super fucking cool. And so I told Megan about it and uh, we, w- we wanted this for ourselves. Um, and if you don't know what the Philip experiment is, again, another thing we can literally and probably will do an entire episode on. Um, but it was basically a group of researchers who got together in uh, Toronto lab setting. Yeah. In Toronto Toronto. (laughs) in a lab in Toronto. Yeah. And uh, created a ghost. Um, Well, let me back up slightly. They created a character um, whose name was Philip and they wrote, you know, a, a very extensive, detailed backstory for Philip. Um, 
about his life. He was like, you know, a 18th century English uh, duke or something like that. And uh, he had a wife who he was kind of estranged from and fell in love with a beautiful gypsy woman. And uh, the wife found out about the affair and tried to say that the gypsy had enchanted her husband with witchcraft. And instead of him coming to uh, his mistress's defense, he allowed her to be uh, executed instead. And then I can't remember how Philip himself ends up dying. If it's like, if he kills himself or from a broken heart, I can't even remember. I I think it's outlined in the book, Conjuring Up Philip. However, that book is like hundreds of dollars because yeah. it was not reprinted. Yeah. So I but, can't afford to read yeah, it. Yeah, this this information is all available online. A quick yeah. quick run through the Google machine will get you many results. Uh but they created this, you know, story for Philip. Uh they even drew a picture of Philip. And so this group of like, you know, ten or twelve researchers uh spent several weeks meditating and focusing on Philip, cementing his story and his life in their mind. And then they started trying to get Philip to manifest in the lab um, with kind of typical, you know, knock on something or... Oh, like a, a traditional seance fashion. Right, Yes, but at first they didn't incorporate like um, a lot of the typical seance uh, environmental elements. Uh, And so they didn't really see results until they did that. So they got more results when they turned the lights down and, you know, used only candlelight and sat around a table, held hands and put themselves in that very, uh, seance-esque mindset. Yeah. And then they were getting a lot more activity. Right. Um, table knocking, table tipping, levitation. So... Uh, it definitely throws into question, did they actually create a spirit or tulpa collectively that was then able to manifest, or were they basically having like a group PK, like yeah. psychokinetic uh, event? Right. And they just thought it was Philip. Anyways, I thought that was incredibly cool. And so I started looking into tulpas. um, And then that brought me to servitors. I definitely do not recommend looking into tulpas very deeply because you start getting into the weird, sad side of the internet. Uh... I'm not even going to go into it. <laughs> but I would say uh, tulpas became a thing. Yeah. They became a meme. 
maybe a few years ago and you know it was like a 4chan thing too there we go just 4chan 4chan was a part of it yeah that's all that needs to be said i'm pretty sure there was a board for tulpas yeah and then it kind of now there's a subreddit r r tulpa yeah don't go there discord servers yeah sorts of uh just very young uh you know it's like I don't know. Uh, it was definitely not um, the research that I was looking for. Yeah, there, right. There's not a lot of historical. I mean, first of all, there's not a lot of historical research right. available. Right. For tulpas, we really only have one source: the um, Magic and Mystery in Tibet by um, Alexandra David Neal. Um, she didn't really go into detail too much but said that the uh the bodhisattvas or uh sort of learned um tibetan monks i'm probably using the wrong terminology here uh it's not my wheelhouse the eastern eastern religions um but they had the ability to essentially create a a, a helper who would be a, a spiritual counterpart who could um, help them overcome things like phobias. Like if you had a fear of heights, you could create a, a tulpa who was not afraid of heights to help you with your fear. Um, she also used the word tulpa kind of interchanging interchangeably with the word tolku, which was actually a reincarnation of a a previous um, type of monk of stature. So only certain people could reincarnate another, another monk or another kind of religious leader. Um, But she considered those two things, the same thing. And only a very short passage in the book explains any of this. So, and it's, it's pretty, um, a pretty weighty read, but she was the only Westerner, at the time, allowed her interpretation is the only one we have mm-hmm. of that time. Right. So we have no other interpretation of, uh, you know, from um, a non-Eastern religious person, which the differences between Eastern and Western religion are so culturally different. Uh, but it's, it is a hard, it's hard concept to translate. For sure. So, so there's not a lot of uh, source material for tulpas. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Tangent over. <laughs> I know. That's what we. That's what we went to the desert to do. Yeah. That is not actually what happened. <laughs> right. Yeah. So we wanted essentially to create a servitor that would act as a research tool for us like we wanted a um basically like an inside man in the spirit realm to help facilitate communication and give us access to information that uh we would otherwise not be able to get um but yeah we we did not end up yeah, so we <laughs> we did not accomplish that goal, but uh, to our defense, if you have 
um, such a detailed um, just goal of what you are trying to achieve with your tulpa or your servitor. You have to be very precise mm-hmm. with the characteristics, the personality of your tulpa, um, wh- how they can operate, when they operate, how they receive energy, how long they will be around for, where they go when they're not helping. Um, these are, it's, I mean, it's like having a child. So you have to take all of these things into account and it takes a long time to do. And when you're doing it with two people, as right. Brittany and I, were which doing is this together, not common. Yeah. This not is not common. It's just, um, you know, it's like two parents trying to come to agreement over yeah. how to make the kid. Right. So, <laughs> so, um, yeah, we actually did not, um, we got far. We tried, but we were we were exhausted. Yes, it is a six and a half hour drive, I think, from Austin to Marathon, which is near Marfa. It's where we were staying. Um, so we got there and we got to work immediately. I mean, we were doing. Our, so let's talk about our Airbnb. Yeah, the Spirit Room. So La Loma del Chivo is really just a group of. Um, sort of handmade structures, handmade living structures in the desert on the edge of town. And it's a very much like an artist community. And the name, the spirit room really drew me in, but come to find out uh, it was called that as, as the, the name of a museum and inside it was decorated Uh, With types of artifacts and art and just cultural items from all around the world. Uh, The two owners, it's a couple that own the property, had traveled extensively around the world and just kind of put all of their trinkets and things on display. And on top of that, um, people who stayed there also had begun to leave items. So there's, there's no inch of wall that is uncovered in that place. There's just pictures hanging everywhere. There's just curios and items stuffed in every nook and cranny. Um, when we arrived, uh, our host showed us the, you know, our room, which was just like a two room cabin with a bathroom. Um, but there was this sort of strange storage. She called it storage. You could keep our, we could keep our bags in there if we wanted, but just a small room off of the living room that was hidden by a sheet. They had just hung a sheet up. So, mm-hmm. you know, at the time we were like, oh, okay, thank you. Don't worry. Uh, we probably won't use it. Yeah. Um, she was like, you, you can go in here. There's nothing in here that like you is off limits. Uh, but there's nothing really to see in here. Like there was no furniture in there. Right. We're like, okay, whatever. Yeah. But, uh, she did leave and we did peek behind that curtain and inside was arranged to just, um, lots of African art, kind of tribal art. I'm not sure what part of Africa. I mean, I hate saying African because it's the second largest continent in the world and it's, you know, so diversely populated by all types of people. Um, But it, it did look, uh, it's African in origin and some of those um, 
types of sculptures you see with the big heads that look like the alien heads. And these uh, artifacts were all just sort of arranged in a way that was, it was definitely intentionally arranged in some sort of uh, brack bracket or a brace or something some not a shelf but some way they were all propped up and at the top was a picture from probably the 1980s of our hostess and her children Mm -hmm. so it it seemed to be just some kind of altar or i mean some kind of intentional setting and uh, over in the corner there was uh i don't understand exactly what the message of the artwork was, but it was sort of like a baby being held by its feet and uh, something coming out of its mouth and like a long towel coming out of its, it, it looked, oh my God. I'm like, did I block this from my mind? Well, I just, I don't want to be like culturally insensitive because I don't know. Right. Like what is being depicted. And yeah. I don't understand it, but to the normal person who doesn't think about whether or not they're being culturally insensitive would be scared shitless by it because it's actually quite frightening looking. Uh, so, I mean, uh, we didn't run out of there or anything silly right. like that. And in fact, we were like, oh, okay, well, this is happening. Uh, interesting. And it, it also wasn't the type of situation where you like take a bunch of pictures and blast it all over Facebook yeah. or, or whatever. Yeah. It was just... It was a thing. Right. We we definitely felt like that that space was not for us. Yeah. And so we like checked it out the once, like uh, as, you know, we were getting settled in that space and then didn't go back there again. Yeah. I don't think for the, the remainder of the time that yeah. we were there. And for the most part, like... Like, I slept in the living room on the couch slash twin-size bed, and you took the bedroom, and so this curtained-off area was off of the living room, and for the most part, I would just, like, forget that it was there, but when I would realize that it was there, I would be very uncomfortable. Yeah. Like, I was just like, oh, that's right. That weird thing, place is there. Yeah. And it was almost like it would, like, it felt like it was just, like, popping in and out of reality whenever I would realize that it was there. Yeah. And... I I know, like, I had described it... too beyond the weird for me. (laughs) I had felt like um, we were doing things in the living room and I would like yeah. look over just and catch that area out of the corner of my eye and it was almost like, oh, hey. Like, right. hey, there you are. Right. Okay. And then just go back to what we were doing. Right. Yeah. It, like kind of just like when a shiny object, you know, yeah. makes you look. Or you felt, I felt commanded to look. Right. Yeah. So, I mean, I, we didn't, I didn't peek behind the curtain again. Um but I definitely, you know, was reminded mm-hmm. every so often mm-hmm. that, hey, I got a weird feeling over there earlier, and here's that weird feeling again. <laughs> but so, so that was that was one strange part of the place. But also, there was like um, immediately we were having we were seeing like Egyptian motifs everywhere. Yeah, uh, there was a picture and uh, kind of like a 
an old, I'm sure everybody has seen it. They can imagine like Osiris and Isis in their head. And, you know, there was just a picture of those two. two. I think Horus might have been in one of them. My sheets had Anubis Mm -hmm. and I was a little, these were the strangest sheets ever. Just like, uh, Laura, the, the Anubis was as big as the sheets. Yeah. Like it went all the way down. Yeah. And I was just like, okay, well, I feel a little like how much judging is going to happen in my dreams tonight? <laughs> Please don't weigh my heart or, or whatever. Um, but yeah, that's a little unsettling. And, and of course, there was uh, pictures of UFOs and yeah. just kind of strange. Uh, items here and there and strange to us strange to us it was very um very out of the ordinary and not in a bad way like i didn't feel uncomfortable in that space like i didn't get you know like oh bad vibes yeah. from from anything um you know except for the area that was not for us right um but everything else was like felt totally comfortable and almost welcoming yeah. like it it seemed like it welcomed the inquisitive yeah uh mind there, there was like a giant rack of ceremonial robes yeah <laughs> in the back patio uh turned bathroom yeah yeah that was very cool uh Large hooded uh, black robes yeah. with gold trim. Yeah. yeah. Like a lot of it was just, um, you know, like very bohemian style, billowy tunics and robes. And um, I think they were meant to be like a, you know, a bathrobe yeah. dressing gown sort of thing for when you were just trying to relax. But yeah, one of them on that rack was like, all black uh, with gold embroidery around the collar. And I pulled it out and I was like, this is a motherfucking Aleister Crowley robe. Like he would be all about this. I'm like we're here to do some fucking magic. Let's wear these robes. But we didn't. Neither did one of us did. No. I was no, I was feeling a little. Yeah. It's like actually, I don't know who might el- be I don't know there. who else has been wearing these robes. Yeah. So maybe I'm not down. Yeah, but we uh, we got there and we almost immediately got to work. Yeah. Um, so uh, you know, we got the the ghost radio running. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Go- ghost radio is an app, and usually the only app that we use. Yeah, we we sort of poo poo apps. Um. Because, I mean, the possibility that they're fake is too large, and it's honestly too obvious with a lot of them. Uh, But there is an app called Ghost Radio. I think it's called Ghost Radio EVP. And... Yeah, I think so. We'll we'll put a... Yeah, we'll we'll put a link link to it. Yeah, Yeah. on the website, uh, www.weirdatx.com. Hit the podcast link. Um, But... Uh, that, that app is, is developed by a Swedish company. It is very low tech. 
It basically just spits out words. It tells you whether an entity is present or not, the strength of the entity. And then it can, it just commences to spit out words and it gives you a percentage of how accurate it thinks the word might be. Um, so even if this app is complete bullshit and just a random number generator that spits out words, that is a useful tool for me. Um, like the in in quantum physics and science, you know, a quantum number generator, um, which I'm not. I this is not a quantum number generator. If it is just a random number generator, um, but this idea that thinking and uh, using your psychical power to change a the results of a random number generator are a thing. So, uh, it's a fun thing to experiment with and we got our ghost radios going and we kind of just leave them alone. We don't, um, sometimes we ask questions, but yeah. in this case we just kind of left them alone. We went outside, uh, cause the sun was down and, uh, marathon is designated as a, uh, Texas dark skies town, which means they must turn their lights on af- or turn their lights off after sundown uh, and everybody must keep very minimal outdoor lights after dark um, so that you can see the sky and you can see the Milky Way with your naked eyes. So there's really nothing quite like it. Yeah. But yeah. And we went during a new moon. So we right. didn't even have moonlight to inhibit the starlight. And it was incredible. Yeah. I had uh, set up my camera to take some pictures, some um, extended exposure pictures and I looked up and I had uh seen I saw the brightest star in the sky and I I looked at Brittany and I said oh look it's it's the morning star that's you know attributed to Lucifer and uh you know we started talking about that and I took some more pictures and you know we went inside and then we shortly after that went to bed because we were exhausted. Yeah. I think, you know, we worked on the Tulpa a little bit. We mm-hmm. went over our ghost radio results. We, we got numbers, um, which to get a number out of a random number generator, uh, and you're probably not getting the raw number. It's a random number generator generating a number. Mm-hmm. Uh, so we did get numbers, and that's always a treat for us because there's so much that can be uh, divined, or um, there's just so many different ways to work with numbers to arrive at an answer. So um, I know that Brittany had heard what ones. Um, yeah, so I got ones on uh, Ghost Radio on mine, uh, spelled out like. O-N-E-S. And I took that to mean 11. And then shortly after you got 11 yeah. on your uh, on your ghost radio, we were running it on multiple devices, uh, which we normally do. And so that, that kind of clued us into, okay, 11 is, yeah. 11 is the intention here. Yeah. 11 and then I you know I got 71 shortly after that but 11 is 
really um, one of the ones we were working with or kind of zeroing in on. Um, at the time, at that moment, I mean, it didn't mean much to us. Right. Um, shortly after that, 11 became a really big deal. Yeah. And uh, it's actually, um, it became such a big deal that even today, I am still having what the fuck moments like, oh my God, this is what 11 is connected to. Mm -hmm. So, you know, we went to sleep. I had a dreamless night. Uh, Brittany, what was your dream? Um, I don't remember what the dream was, but in my notes about the trip, so we, um, in our work with the Tulpa, we were trying to decide on a name for it. We, by the time we decided to wrap it and go to bed, we had not settled on a name. And so I said, okay, Tulpa, <laughs> you're going to come to me in my dreams tonight and you're going to tell me what you want your name to be. And, uh, I kept getting the name Zach in my dreams and so that was cool. I don't think I I'm pretty sure we decided no, Zach is yeah. not the name. <laughs> Zach is not. But you know, speaking of your dream and Ghost Radio, like I was just looking today back on our logs of what words Ghost Radio spit mm-hmm. out. So in the in the course of two minutes it spit out eleven and then dream. Oh. And then 71, and then darkness. So even now, dun, dun, dun. we're like, I'm like, oh, right. We talked about having those dreams, and that yeah. was like the next word after 11. But I mean, you know, make of it what you will. Uh, we woke up the next morning, and our plans were a total wash. Yeah, we were supposed to go to Carlsbad Caverns that day. Which we'd been planning this trip for at least a month. I would say two months. And so two weeks out, I start looking into Carlsbad Caverns um, to see what their COVID restrictions are and if they're requiring reservations like a lot of state parks were doing at that time. And they did not. You did not have to reserve a spot to get in. They weren't doing a lot of the tours, but, uh, and, and they had a like two thirty shut off time for when you could get in. So we were like, okay, uh, we're just going to leave early, early in the morning to get there at a decent time and, you know, do whatever we want. Morning of, comes and we're getting ready. I don't even know what time it was. I think we were trying to leave by eight. Yeah. And so I just was like, you know, I'm just going to check. I'm just (laughs) going to check the website, see if anything has changed. And I look and sure enough, now they're like, you need a reservation. (laughs) Don't fucking come here without a reservation. And what do you know? The whole fucking weekend is booked. Yeah. Fully booked. We are not getting into Carlsbad Caverns. Nope. At all. Nope. 
So we had this great idea. Let's go to Roswell. Yeah. Yeah. And we had tossed around the thought of Roswell uh, during planning and had just kind of chucked it out the door because we were like, well, we're probably honestly not going to have time. It's four all. hours to Carlsbad and then another hour to Roswell. Right. Yeah. yeah. We weren't, we didn't want to drive. Yeah. But we figured, you know what? Carlsbad ain't going to happen. But we were already planning to make this four hour drive. So why don't we just drive four hours to Roswell right. instead? And that can be our activity today. Right. So we got in the car. We did make a pit stop in Marfa and took some really cool pictures. Yeah. Uh, there wasn't much going on there. It's not as grand and awesome as a lot of people make it out to be. But uh, we got back in the car after a few good pictures, and I had the great idea. Why don't we listen to Aleister Crowley's Book of the Law on audiobook? And the reason that I had brought it up to Brittany in the first place is because we are, were taking our trip on April 8th, 9th, and 10th. Those are the days that um, Alistair Crowley received the transmission from IWAS, which was this type of preternatural being that dictated the book to him. And he wrote them from the hours of noon to 1 p.m., on the days of April 8th, 9th, and 10th, um, I had originally had the idea that we would read chapter one on the 8th, read chapter two on the 9th, and on the 10th, read chapter three at the same time that they were written. However, the time zones between Cairo and Texas are, would make that quite impossible. It would be about three in well, the morning. Well, not impossible, but not optimal. Right. We would have had to have started our reading before we even left yeah. Austin. So yeah. uh, I was dead ass asleep. I thought, hell, why not? It's, you know, the second day. So I put the, the audiobook on. If you don't know, it's only about 45 minutes long. So we got done pretty quick and... It's kind of hard to make sense of when you hear it rather than when you read it. Mm -hmm. uh, I mean, it's hard to make sense of fucking period. Yeah, right. But at least you have a sort of, when you look at it on paper, you have it sort of laid out and, uh, you know, you can refer back easily to something you just read to make more sense in the context. However, um, in chapter two, on the audiobook, it does read the code that is referenced by IWAS as, uh, quote, numbers and words. And uh, it's just sort of a cryptic, you know, a cipher that when it read out loud sounds really strange. I mean, I, I have it right here. It's, should we read it out loud? Yeah, why not? I, well, it'll be, it'll be somewhat like, so before I read it out loud, I had a feeling that in the car, when the audiobook read it out loud, that something changed, that we were somehow in the shit, or that we were on our way to the shit. We were in the beyond. Yeah, something, something, um, something changed. Yeah. So uh, it's really short. I'll read it. It's um, 4638ABK24. 
A-L-G-M-O-R-3-Y-X-24-89-R-P-S-T-O-V-A-L-L. That last part looks like a name. R.P. Stovall. And it's funny because if you Google that, there are people who have used that as their name. Oh. (laughs) Also, Algmore, A-L-G-M-O-R. So the audiobook read that out loud, and we felt as if, you know, um, something had changed in the car, or it was just very interesting. Or maybe I even had that thought later. Um, and maybe it wasn't in the moment. It's kind of hard to remember because it was back in April. Yeah, no, I, I feel like I remember that moment and maybe it was something that we didn't speak aloud at the time, Yeah, but yeah, I felt it too. So yeah. it, it impacted both of us. Yeah. So that code is used uh, to sort of uncover who the child of the new Aeon is. And... Um, you know, that, that code actually, if you've ever read the book of the law in the, in the very end, it says, you know, to study this book is to bring peril upon yourself, destroy this book after its first reading. Um, anyone who tries to work with the book is a fool. Uh, but you know, despite that, (laughs) people have tried to rip this thing apart. And in the eighties, that code was broken, uh, against the, 11th letter, every 11th letter of the alphabet. So literally the key to the book of the law, the cyclic key is the number 11. Uh, we didn't know that at the time. Right. Like I didn't know enough history about like Crowley is, uh, he's not a hero of mine. So, I mean, I give him a big nod to all of the things he does, but I also disagree with quite a few things he did and said. So, uh, I don't hate the guy, but he's just, uh, you know, he's not my buddy. He's problematic. <laughs> In a lot of ways. Yeah, but, I mean, I, I, that's not my feeling about him. I mean, so is Tolkien, and that guy's my fucking hero. Um, but, you know, uh, at, at any rate, we didn't find out about the 11 until much later. Yeah. Um, so that that's an interesting point, though. Um you know, the book finished up pretty quick. We still had another five-hour drive. Um, it was pretty uneventful. But then we got to Roswell, and, of course, it's like Alien Central. It's a total yeah. tourist trap. Um, we went to the museum. Yeah. And- it was underwhelming. Yeah. For sure. We didn't spend too much time there. Um But I was, like, bound and determined to find some good souvenirs for some friends back home. So uh, once we got done with the museum, we went on the hunt for good souvenirs. Uh, And we just basically kind of bobbed and weaved down the uh, main strip. Yeah. uh, The same road that the museum is located on. The first shop we end up going into is this really odd, not in a good way, odd rock shop, crystal and rock shop. Um, that, Owned by New Earth Creationists. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so there's, you know, your 6,000-year-old fossils next to your Jesus statues. <laughs> 
It was not enjoyable. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Plus it smelled weird. Yeah, it had a weird smell. That place was weird. And it was like strangely dirty. Yeah. Without being too dirty. I don't mm, I don't know. It was weird. It was a little grubby. Yeah. So we leave there. As we're walking out the door, I look across the street and there is this shop sign that says, uh, what is, what is Hecate's Cauldron, I think. I can literally never remember. Yeah. It's like Hecate's Cauldron or Hecate's Haven or something like that. Uh, And we were like, hell fucking yes, let's go. They're closed. Sorry. Uh, but next door is a UFO uh, gift shop. So we go inside. It's also kind of a bust, but Megan found some amazing zines. Oh, yes. Yeah. I forgot about this place. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, then I think we ended up going into like the flea market yeah. spot. Yep. Um, really, there I found... Uh, the coolest fucking shirts in all of Roswell. So I was very happy. Um, but we walked around and found some other cool stuff. There's just, you know, it's kind of your typical like antique mall. Yeah. Like little booths were set up where each seller had their curated items. Um, and a lot of it was kind of grandma. Yeah. Right. Grandma, Not, old toys and collectibles right. and stuff. Yeah. You got that cool bell. Kitschy stuff. Yeah, I found an amazing uh, bell that was like on a stand and it actually had a little mallet to ring it with. And I felt super compelled that I had to ring this bell. But of course, they had it like taped. taped so you couldn't uh, hit the bell. So I was like, well, I guess I just have to buy it. <laughs> so that I can take this home and ring this bell. And that's what I did. We should use that bell in an investigation. We should. Yeah. Yeah. Let's do it. I have to remember to bring it. Um, but yeah, then we kind of wandered around towards the end, like towards the checkout and to make purchase our wares. And there was this one final uh, booth that was not, quite the same vibe as all the other ones right yeah i mean it had a lot of man cave stuff it was weird it had like a lot of old paperbacks and some nra manuals and like pictures of mallards and um i think there was like a set of hip waiters like uh camouflage hip waiters and there were these um these busts these like bronze sculpted busts those were real cool um, but just looking through all of this kind of like very rugged man stuff on the wall is a papyrus type portrait of Osiris and Isis there. Yeah. And it wasn't the, exactly the same one that was back at the room, right. at the Airbnb, but it was very similar, similar enough that, uh, we both had to stop and have yeah. kind of a, what the fuck moment. Yeah. It felt like. Uh, okay, some piece of marathon has followed us here, but is it even really a piece of marathon? Or mm-hmm. had this thing that ended up in marathon followed us from somewhere else? You know, like yeah. we're in the shit now. Some weird stuff is happening. We're having synchronicities, and um, 
you could just say, oh, you know, it's just a painting. It's just a picture on the wall. It's just something the guy probably got in a yard sale or right, whatever. Right. But I'm just like, mm, it felt too. It was very unique. Yeah. Considering what was surrounding it. And where we were. Yeah. Really. Yeah. Mean, it's not a stretch to say, oh, well, you're in Roswell, so you're going to find weird stuff. But the place is just owned by this kind of conservative types and not art types and yeah. not Egyptian mythology types or, you know, uh, anything parallel to Christianity types. So uh, it just, there was lots of the, the crosses and praying hands everywhere else in the store were ubiquitous. Right. right. So, yeah. And the, you know, the doilies with crosses and, and things like that, the needle point. So uh, it felt out of place, and it was eye-catching and attention-grabbing. So I, we didn't buy it. I should have bought it. should have bought it. I didn't even check to see how much it was. Yeah. And we kind of just got out of there. Yeah. I, I was actually really tired already right. from driving. Yeah. I was kind of just like, I don't want to I was I was dragging Megan around. Yeah. yeah. I was determined. I was like, I was ready to spend some money. Yeah. I needed souvenirs. I did get some soap though, so not that's there. right. I, I totally forgot about that soap shop. I bought soap called Elon Musk. Yes, <laughs> <laughs> it's musky soap. Oh no! But you know, uh, what did we do after that? We went to uh, yeah. the infamous other crystal store. No, no, oh. we went to that other oh gift that wasn't store. Yes, okay, yeah, and we, you know. Megan was done, right? Megan was like, I'm done fucking shopping. Let's go back to the car. But I'm like, but wait, one more gift shop. And she's like, no. But then she's like, okay, fine. <laughs> so we go into this other, like, UFO-themed gift shop. Uh, this one was way cooler than the other yeah. ones we had been into. It was just, they had better designed product. Yeah. Um, a younger aesthetic, yeah, more design oriented, yeah, better, better stuff in general, better quality things. Um, and the guy who did did he own it or he just managed it or worked I, there? I the know. one we talked to at the counter, I don't know. I, if can't I don't know what his business, uh, yeah, but um, was. He was very cool, you know, younger guy, um, just a much better shop. What was it called? Do you remember what it's called? I think it's called Hangar 205 because it's 205 Main Street. Oh, okay. Well, if you're ever in Roswell, look up this uh, shop. It's really cool. Yeah. Hopefully, they're still in business. But um, <laughs> I think they're in business. Okay. Well, I mean, I've, well, I've, you uh, never know. I follow them on Facebook. Oh. <laughs> but uh, anyway. Check them out. Yeah. However, we have a story about going. Yeah, there. right. Yeah. So uh, they had one table set up in this sh shop that uh, had a selection of books, you know, UFO related books and uh, conspiracy theory stuff. And there was one book in particular that caught your eye, Megan. Yeah, it caught my eye because it actually had um, no text on the spine. It was just black. And it was kind of haphazardly put in there. I pulled it out. And the book is 
The Secret Rituals of the Men in Black by Alan Greenfield. So we mentioned in a previous episode uh, that one of our biggest influences um, are Greg and Dana Newkirk, and they have a show called Hellier. Yeah. And in that show, Hellier, um, they they talk to Alan Greenfield because of some stuff they found. I don't want to give too many spoilers. Yeah, yeah. I also don't want to get on a tangent about Hellier and Alan Greenfield. But just know... It was extremely relevant to us in that moment. Yeah. We were just kind of like, what the fuck is this doing here? Right. Sort of moment. Yeah. And on top of that, it's a book by Alan Greenfield we'd never heard of. Right. So um, come to find out, it's condensed in, an, in another book. He's kind of made a compilation or a compendium uh, that includes both of his works, both of his popular works. Um about the men in black and the secret cipher of the euphonauts. Um, but I immediately was like, okay, this book is priced over the publisher's price, but I'm buying it. Yeah. <laughs> like I'm walking out of here with this book. Uh, so I did. And, you know, I didn't have much time to read it on the way back, but right. uh, I did get some, you know, a chance to, yeah. to read some of it um, while we were there on our trip. Yeah. But I thought, that uh, it was interesting. It, just at the beginning of the book, it does reference the Book of the Law and, you know, lots of different numbers, including the meaning of the number 11 and its um, its central role as the, the cipher key um, to, you know, the code in the Book of the Law. So uh, he quotes... Um, an article in Thelema magazine in 1980, and it says, This key we have been considering can be understood from either of two courses. Eleven is the number of magic, and when we number every eleventh letter of the alphabet, we arrive with A-L-W or L-A-W, as in law. Yeah. So, um, it essentially names eleven as the magical number of all magical numbers, and the you know I I had a moment in the bed back at the at the Airbnb like oh shit this is what eleven is yeah. you know and uh, this is just the launching point and you know I started doing that Charlie from It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia <laughs> where he's like got all the strings on yeah. the billboard yeah. you know on the corkboard. Uh, so, you know, my mind went racing on that, but, but to get back to Roswell for sure, uh, where do we go next? Yeah. So we were actually headed back to the car because Megan was like, okay, no, for real now. (laughs) (laughs) I'm dying. But lo and behold, we walk past, uh, the store next door to, uh, Hangar, whatever, 502, 504. It's actually 209. 209. Okay. Yeah. Hangar 209. And it is a crystal shop, a rock and crystal shop. But this one looks fucking amazing. <laughs> and so I'm like, we have to go in here, please. Megan did not argue um, because this place was so amazing looking. Like they had all the crystals and rocks laid out like grouped by color so it was just aesthetically amazing and beautiful uh they had shop cats which <laughs> is the best thing ever like i love that shit um so yeah we spent 
probably 25, 30 minutes in this rock shop, right? Yeah. Um, I broke something. <laughs> and uh, that it's not normal for me. I'm not like a clumsy person. I worked uh, in a store for 15 years with many, many, many breakable items. So I am very familiar with how to handle fragile items. But I picked up this little two-inch round obsidian disc um, and was looking at it, went to put it back, proceeded to drop it onto the table. It landed on several other pieces and broke them. And (laughs) uh, immediately the shop attendants were right next to me (laughs) assessing the damage. (laughs) Which I was, I was very like angry with myself, and I was like, you know, just tell me what I owe you. I obviously I will pay for everything that I have broken. Uh, but they were very nice. I think they only charged for one of the items broken, even though there were definitely shards from other things. Oh no, mixed in there. But they were nice about it. Yeah. Um, but yeah, that kind of like shook me up. That rattled me breaking that thing. Yeah. Um, but then we continued to look around and I was drawn to these stones that basically look like little rock turds. Uh, <laughs> they're round. For the most part, uh, some of them have like ridges or are, you know, not perfectly round. Um, And they really just, there's nothing remarkable about them other than their round shape. But otherwise, they just look like little turds. But I was like, I want that. And this rock shop was very cool in that they have these little printed information sheets with all of the different kinds of rocks. So if you don't know what it is or you don't yet know what, you know, properties it has, healing properties uh, the stone has, you can just take one of these little info sheets and then you're an expert. <laughs> so the info sheets for these rocks tell me that it is called a Moki Marble. A.K.A. a shaman stone. Um, And this I will read from the little information sheet that I took. Used for centuries by shaman and other mystics for vision, out-of-body journeying, and during rituals to contact extraterrestrials. Wow. So I said, I need me some of these. Um, but, uh, it was just like, I called Megan over straight away and I was like, look at this shit. This is for talking to aliens, Megan. I need these. Uh, so we both proceeded to buy two a piece. Uh, apparently there is some male, female designation. Yeah. We, we kind of looked into it later on. Uh, but. Yeah, I, I was just 
kind of, it, it felt very significant. Like we had had all these little significant things yeah. pop up just in our little day trip to Roswell. And now here were these rocks that are like, yeah, man, use these to talk to aliens in your magic rituals. And I was like, fuck yes. <laughs> that sounds dope. That is so funny because it's like, we felt like we were only there for like, or at least I felt like I was only there for 20 minutes. Yeah. Like all this shit happened in Roswell. And I'm like, okay, we've only been here for a minute. But it's because the drive is just so long. So long. Yeah, we, we drove oh, so God. Long. Like we, we left there and that was it, right? We just got in the yeah. car and left. Then we were like, okay, officially yeah. we need to leave because we weren't going to get back to the Airbnb until like right. 11, But on 12. the But on the way back, we... We went by Marfa, the observatory. Yeah. We, we stopped in Marfa again yeah. in the evening to try and see the Marfa lights. Yeah. We did not see the Marfa lights. We did not. But the observatory is pretty cool. It's like they have nice red lights so that you don't ruin your night vision when you're there. Even though everybody is walking around there like a jackass with their cell phone light on. Yeah. So true. Yeah. Uh, we didn't see the Marfa lights. There were so many people out there. Yeah. I mean, there were people like walking around in the field, just out where the snakes are. Right. And, right. <laughs> and scorpions and chupacabras. <laughs> <laughs> Who knows? I don't know, but people were being crazy out there. Um, there is, if you've never been to uh, see the Marfa lights, um, just off the highway, there is the structure and the University of Texas, Austin, uh, conducted a study, uh, on the Marfa lights and what they were. And when they came out to do the study, they were gracious enough to set up uh, a set of red lights, two red lights on out on the field, um, and basically if you see lights in between the two red lights, what that light is, is he their headlights reflected off of the heat emanation from the road. Um, so you can see, I'm sure you've probably seen when the road is hot, it looks wavy. The air looks wavy and gaseous. Um, you are actually able to see a reflection of that phenomena uh, before you're able to see the car itself. Um, so any light that happens in between those two red markers is that effect. Uh, anything you see outside of those two red markers is anomalous. So we were unlucky and we didn't see any lights. Um, of course, there's people out there every five seconds saying, oh, what's that light? What's that mm -hmm. light? We did see quite a few satellites. I mean, you yeah. could see satellites with the naked eye just zooming past. I think we saw the International Space Station pass over once. Um, so that, that was cool enough for me to, to kind of put an end to that night, but we did a lot of driving and didn't get much done, but we had a whole lot of what the fuck moments in between, uh, on our trip. Yeah. Oh my God. Remember when we almost hit that fucking deer? <laughs> Holy shit. We did. Oh my God. That yeah. was, I think that was between marathon. It and, was a dead deer. Yeah. It was dead. like laying halfway in uh, our lane and I almost <laughs> did not see it. Uh, 
You scared the shit out of me just now when you were like, oh, sorry, I just remembered it because you said weird shit happened. And I was like, yeah, like when we almost hit that fucking deer. Yeah. Yeah. So it, when you drive in the desert and there's no street lights anywhere, of course, right. this is dark skies country. Um, you don't see something in the road until you are feet away from it. Yeah. Even with your bright lights on. Yeah. It's, and then, you know, I drive a Prius hatchback. So, you know, my car is tiny on top of everything else. Um, but it was just the deer was upon us. Yeah. And I barely had enough time to swerve. No, I was oh, driving. Oh, it was when you were driving. Yeah. I was driving oh, us back God. That's to right. the Airbnb right. from the Marfa That's right. uh, observation. I'm sorry. You're trying to steal your thunder. <laughs> man. It was something, man. I'm a pro driver. Just let me say that. <laughs> been doing it for like uh more than 15 years more so. than 15 yeah i'm a professional <laughs> i'm a terrible night uh driver because i have no night vision left <laughs> from doing stupid drugs <laughs> don't do drugs That's a story for another time <laughs> don't do drugs kids it kills your night vision some of them anyway so, yeah, we went home and thought about our day, and I looked over my book and made the discovery about the 11, and, I mean, there's other things in that book, too, that just tie in so strangely. The number 71 in there is also in there, and just, I thought it was a, another just weird coincidence, another weird synchronicity. But, yeah, I mean, we went to bed. No more work was done. Yeah, our we had told ourselves, okay. We didn't do our servitor shit this first night, so we're going to do it the second night. Nope. We did not do it the second night. Nope. We got cock-locked. Yeah, by we, we were way too tired. Yeah. Honestly. By our human bodies. Yeah. By old age. <laughs> <laughs> For sure. Uh, I'm 10 years older than Brittany, so I don't know what the fuck Oh, God. But day three, uh, day three was uh, Big Ben Day. Yeah. That was a lot of fun. Uh, I didn't feel, though, that a lot of weird shit happened. Right. I carted uh, probably 20 pounds worth of ghost hunting equipment up the side of a mountain. It almost killed me. I mean, it's not even that hard. It's probably like what would be considered a beginner trail. I don't know. There's a lot of... Is climbing. it Saint Elena? Yeah, uh, yeah, Santa Elena. Santa Elena. I'm sorry. Uh, Canyon Trail. Yeah, that is what we went on. Uh, I've been to Big Bend once before this, and didn't get to take that trail, and deeply regretted it. So this time I made up for it, and it was amazing. The whole the whole park is just. Gorgeous. If you have the opportunity to go to Big Bend, fucking go. It's amazing. There's also um, a guy who makes tacos in Mexico, and then they bring him across the the Rio Grande. In a canoe. In a canoe to give you your tacos in America. Yeah. I so wanted to go see that guy and get a taco, but we did not go to that. We weren't allowed. Yeah. It was closed off. Yeah. Anyway. Next time, I hope he's still there. Yeah. And his wife. But then we came home. We came yeah, home. We, we came home home. Yeah. Yeah. 
it was a weird trip and we're still we're still researching the things that we gathered. Yeah. The information that we gathered, the thoughts that we had, stuff in books. This really is it's going to be a part 2 uh because it doesn't end with the desert. Right. Like this shit follows us everywhere. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And um you know, this isn't our only project, so Every once in a while, I feel like we get a little bit of info that ties in another project. Like, what if this desert shit is tied to one other big project we're doing, mm-hmm. and then that's gonna... I'm never gonna sleep again if that happens. Uh, I'll be making this podcast on my own, like pulling my hair out <laughs> at three in the morning while Brittany's dead ass asleep. I know... To to anyone else, this trip just sounds like, okay, yeah, you guys had some stuff happen, but for us, in that moment, or in those moments, everything was just, like, very pointed and significant, like, moment after moment after moment. It was like we were following this breadcrumb trail that was taking us in a totally different direction than what we had come to the desert for. Yeah. So, yeah. It may not sound remarkable as a listener listening to this, but for us it was uh, very, very significant. And remarkable. Yeah, people might be like, where are the ghosts? Yeah. And I, you know, I mean, we went out there to make a servitor to aid us in talking to ghosts. Right. And we had also planned to do some other experiments. Uh, We wanted to do a lot of Estes because we always want to do Estes. And we wanted to do something called the Gansfeld uh, experiment and... Some other things. Um, good intentions. You but. know, I have a theory that um, once we complete the servitor and finally just do it, uh, the ghosts will appear. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, because that was the whole reason to to make the servitor. Right. Yeah. We just got to do it. Yep. But yeah, uh, this this trip really felt like a turning point for us. Um, you know, like like Megan said earlier, there was that moment as we were listening to the Book of the Law that it felt like, okay, we're like in it yeah. now. Like, whatever you thought uh, you were coming to the desert for... Nah, that's not going to happen. You're you're going to do all this other stuff instead. Yeah. But like to me it felt very much like the universe was like these are the plans that I have for you. And so, I felt like here we were go. we were definitely being led. Right. What led us? Right. On this thing, yeah. you know? And what is continuing to lead us yeah. because even as I look back on our notes today from April. Right. I am 
why you know thinking why didn't i see this before yeah you know what is you know there are other passages in the book of the law that relate to some of the things that we've you know said even now tonight and uh you know it's the never-ending rabbit hole Mm -hmm. i'm in man Mm -hmm. i've gone down it yeah that's the desert yeah the end psych (laughs) (laughs) the desert never ends right all right bye bye